Welcome to the podcast, Successful as Fuck. I am your host, Raya Gonzalez, and this podcast is a compliment to my book, Successful as Fuck, which is due out September 2022. The book explores success in all its forms through the lens of my personal story. But on these episodes, we're going to hear from people just like you and their stories of unconventional success and tenacity. Tune in, ask questions, and stick around for the fun. I am Raya Gonzalez, and I'm super excited today to have the Successful as Fuck show. I'm here with Mika Gobig, and we are going to dive in to Mika's story and um, just explore what success means in her story. Thank you, Mika, for being with us today. Totally. Thanks for having me, Raya. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you serve people to start? Mm -hmm. My name is Mika Gobik. My company is Gobik Coaching and Communications, actually. I do have a a 20-year background in corporate communications. I still have a boutique agency that serves the German luxury car industry. Um, For myself, I mostly work with women in male-dominated industries coming from the car background. Um, and I, I coach them, I give workshops, I uh, give talks about how to build confidence uh, to self-advocate and especially in facing new situations, new challenges as we all do uh, all the time now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we talk about success on this show and we talk about how it changes over time. And so if you were to rewind, all the way back to early adulthood what would you say in that time in your life when you were like looking forward with all this hope and you know and everything what did success look like for you in early adulthood very stereotypical right i mean i was i I come from a family where, where people are very successful very accomplished by the standard definition of success um and so early adulthood let's say i was in college uh it was always there was never a question that i would go to grad school that wasn't even discussed of course i would go to grad school it was only like would it only be a master's or would it be a phd Mm. um that was the only consideration what would it be i i felt i was a rebel already by striving by striving to be a professor a literature professor or writer but so that was like the rebellious uh, <laughs> definition of success i had that i could be maybe a professor instead of instead of a lawyer uh, right. or a doctor or something like that oh my gosh yeah i think mm-hmm. that's very common for many of us um who although mine was very modest i i thought i always tell this story because it's really funny i thought i was going to be a physical therapist Mm-hmm. Because in uh, 1993, I took a career analysis, and that was one of the things on there. And it said you could make forty thousand dollars, and I was like, "That's so much money! Oh my <laughs> god, I'm yeah, only yeah. gonna be a physical therapist." <laughs> <laughs> uh, newsflash, people, not a physical therapist. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of funny how those types of things come, you know, come around. And then did you feel a lot of pressure? Um, I mean, like you say that you were a rebel because you thought that you wanted to be a professor. Did you tell your family that you wanted to do that? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I was so, so I graduated from high school in 1990. Um, and uh, at that time, there were like two or three private universities in Germany. That was all. They were all business schools. Um, they are still around. And I applied and went to do their tests and whatever and and got in to the first one without any additional requirements just like okay you're full in um no pre-classes so everybody was like great and i got that letter and i'm like i'm not going yeah <laughs> i'm not going i'm going to i'm going to study literature and history and communication and uh, that was not super well received um in a family who mostly have law school degrees right but uh, but they are also entrepreneurs i mean but they were okay they just let me go for it but that's that stigma that comes with how how families define success versus yes. you are the creative one right yes. yeah that, we've that had a couple good. we've had a couple other guests too who've said that the family dynamic and the family culture like either culture, culture, you know, mm -hmm. like culturally because of the country that you grew up in. But on, on top of that, the family dynamic is such that it causes so much pressure to be in a specific line of um, industry, you know, that there's this weird feeling if you have a different feeling for yourself, if you have a different desire um, and uh, you feel a little bit like you're letting them down or you're rebelling or, you know, that you have to excuse yourself for having this other desire um, mm -hmm. for what success looks like for you. Absolutely. I mean, and I, my, my, uh, I was born and raised in Germany. So that is definitely to a certain extent also a cultural issue because there is like this, it's not a thing to have less of an academic degree than your parents. Mm-hmm. That, that's just not a thing. I mean, as far as I, I don't know, maybe it is now, but it wasn't, not that I was aware of that. That was just not something anybody considered. Right. You do at least what your parents do, probably more. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. What a pressure that must be, you know what I mean? Like, if, I mean, I guess you accept that it's part of society, but then there's also this pressure to um, conform to that mm -hmm. when inside you're being told that there's something different that is also success for you that's um, how you can feel like a rebel when you want to be a literature professor that's yes. the only yeah. I know. <laughs> so ridiculous right <laughs> oh my god well fast forward a little bit tell me a little bit how you got into communications and um developing your agency and then we'll touch on like how you go into life coaching and into coaching women in these male dominated careers, because that's quite the jump too. like, so going mm -hmm. from professor to, you know, communications and then going into life coaching in addition to that, that's a really interesting journey. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So, uh, so first off, I, I started out like the way it was kind of supposed to go. I had a master's. I, um, I applied and got a teaching position at uh, a U.S. college uh, first out of grad school. So that was all still on track. And then I came back and uh, had worked for two years and wanted to get back into a Ph.D. program. And that just for the life of me could not get myself to that to the archives. I mean, it was just like I'm not a I'm a people person. So right. archives is not not my thing. So uh, 
add to that a really toxic environment around uh, one of the TAs. And, you know, one, one thing uh, adds to the next. And eventually, I dropped out. Um, nice. So that was something I would have never expected myself to ever do dropping out of something. And I think if my if my dad hadn't died, I would not have dared dropping out. That, that no. would have been too much for me to process to tell him that I dropped right. out of my PhD program. Um, then what I did was actually really taking myself back and saying, okay, uh, I had taught I had taught English at the point. Um, because there aren't there weren't that many people who are fully bilingual in Germany. Everybody thinks their English is great, but very few people who are fully bilingual. So and being able to write in a different language that, that was not that common. So somehow from teaching English as a foreign language, uh, I got into somehow teaching translation. Mm. I still don't know why I said yes to that, but I did. <laughs> and then I told that to a friend of mine and he said, oh, speaking of which, now that you teach translation, uh, we are looking for someone to translate, and that was for one of the big German car makers, uh, to translate our in-house TV station for stuff. And I don't like, I don't really like uh, traditional translators for that because it's it's editorial content that needs right. to be jazzed up that's different. And so that's how I started that. I just, I, I just tend to say yes first yeah. and then figure it that. out. Um, and the agency built from there. It's most, it's still, it's still up and running with an office manager in the UK team in UK and Germany. Um, because now I have 20 years of experience right. uh, with uh, their language and, and everything. But for me, I had reached the point that was even like 10 years ago or something. I had reached the point where I felt I had done everything. Yeah. I had at that point I had I had done speeches for like four CEOs of the same car maker in a row. Uh, there was no no excitement to be had anymore. Um, and so I had a coach back then. Don't ask me how in Germany I came up with the idea of hiring a coach. That is still rather uncommon. Yeah. And but I did. And she she said, You have taught so many workshops and you work with so many people one-on-one -on -one, like uh i prepared c-suite people for their calls with financial analysts in english or with journalists that type of thing and she's like how about you just do a coaching training at that and i'm like hmm, okay and i trained with um a woman who was one of the early coaches in germany and she used to be uh, uh, a C uh, the first C-suite woman for, uh, for an American company in Germany. Of course, she was the HR director. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and she had gotten into coaching relatively early. And so I trained with her academy and started relatively traditionally. And when I moved to the U.S., I got struck down by imposter syndrome and felt like I can't oh, yeah. coach here. It's like, what do I have to tell Americans and all these? And I have never worked for one of those tech companies or anything. And so it took me a couple of years of not coaching uh, 
or talking about these issues to, to see that actually I'm in a very unique spot with that background in a very male dominated industry. And now being in Seattle and seeing yeah. women in tech struggling with the same topics. Yes. We've, we've been discussing for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, I don't know. And, and those companies in the automotive world needing to be and wanting to be like tech companies. Yes. And so it's, it's a very unique spot and that's, uh, that's a new challenge. Yeah. It reminds me of, there's a book. Um, I really love Mel Robbins. Mm -hmm. Um, and she has a book called work it out. I think it's called, but it's all about women empowerment in the workplace. And she talks about how in meetings, you should never take notes. And I thought like when she said that, I was like, what is she talking about? Because I'm a note taker. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, because where is your head when you're taking notes? It's down. Um, and, you're writing yep. notes. and she says, where are the guys heads? They're on oh. the speaker, you know? And so then they jump in and they give their, you know, two cents. And she says, no, 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 no notes. And she goes, even if all you say is good point, John, Mm -hmm. make always say something hurt. yeah say something but no notes eyes on the speaker make eye contact and claim your place at the table yep. because otherwise you're abdicating your place at the table and you're saying i'm the secretary mm -hmm. i take notes that's such a that's such a, a tricky thing right especially if you're the only woman in the room Yes. Uh, and sticking with that example, if you're taking notes, it's so quick for someone to say, could you distribute that to everybody? Yes. It's so yeah. easy, right? Yeah. So right. I like that. I like that. Never take notes. I know it's a fantastic book. I mean, there's lots mm -hmm. of like good gems in there, but it's all in alignment with like what you're saying and what you're doing and how you're empowering women because um, we don't even realize the ways that we give up our place at the table mm -hmm. we don't even like something as simple as that we think we're doing it for ourselves to you know enrich our our own knowledge for later but we are actually not using our voice and by not using our voice we don't exist we're yeah. invisible and exactly. um, and you know and you know, in line with success, how in the world can you be successful and feel successful if you're telling yourself subconsciously, I am invisible. My, yeah. my words don't count. I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. Even if you don't like know that's what you're saying, that's what you're doing. You're yeah. telling yourself that you have nothing to offer when that's not true. Again, even if it's just awesome point, John, or have you ever thought of blah, 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 like just mm -hmm. agree, like just say something, anything, but just put your voice into the conversation so that people's eyes turn to you and they're like, oh, make us here. You know yeah. what I mean? Us here. And it's, it's also this thing, right? Where you make it a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. The moment you don't speak up because you're, you're maybe also either, either subconsciously or because you think do I really deserve that spot at the table? And you don't yeah. speak up. And then someone says, she's always there, but she's quiet. Do we really need her in this route, right? Even 100%. that. So then. Yes. And I think we do this even in like, let's just say, and I think this is totally true um, as well. Entrepreneurship is also male dominated, right? you know? And right. so as an entrepreneur, this, I, 
I mean, maybe I'm being like sexist the other way. I don't think so though, but like, like, no, we cannot be sexist because it's a man's world. Right. Exactly. But I mean, I don't think that men suffer from imposter syndrome. I think they're like, fuck it. I'm just going to like go out there and I'm going to do me. And if I fail, I'll do the next thing. We're like, oh, I wonder if anyone is going to want what I have. Oh, I Mm -hmm. wonder if this is going to work. Oh, I wonder if I'm going to fail, you know, and it's going to be so embarrassing. I mean, like I've had all these thoughts, like I've put myself so far out there Mm -hmm. as one thing. And I feel like I don't have permission to reinvent myself because I have established myself as one thing. And that is such a like chick thing to do like i just don't dudes do that like they don't go out there and say like oh well i'm the virtual assistant matchmaker and i can't possibly want to do anything else because i've already told people i'm this you know bullshit yeah and i mean the data is very clear a straight white dude will have a way easier time getting funding uh after he bombed with a startup than a female founder with a success record. Right. It's still it's still that way. And when I think about myself, I'm totally with you on that one. Uh, I remember when I moved to the US because that that's also like that there's also this thing about humbleness. And, yes. uh, and of course, uh, I'm I'm more on the loud side anyway. So uh, that was something when I when I moved here and people asked me what I did and I said, Oh, I'm a translator. And my husband was like, you are not a translator. You are an entrepreneur. You work for C-suite, uh, C-suite in global companies. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess. And uh, <laughs> I did this thing. It took me years. I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Like, I, I will tell people, like, um, the, and I'm telling myself every time I do this, I'll say, like, Oh, I'm a badass. Like, I'll just Mm -hmm. say it like, if they're like, Oh, like, tell me about yourself. I'm like, I'm a badass, you know, like, or whatever. Or I like to, um, if people like ask me in different, you know, in different scenarios, I'll be like, Oh, my name is Raya motherfucking Gonzalez. (laughs) And I'll like claim that over myself, Mm -hmm. even though most of the time I don't feel that way about myself. And, um, because we have to tell ourselves that because no one's going to step up and make us feel worthy we have to feel worthy for ourselves. We have to feel enough for ourselves because the external validation of our family, of our culture, of the career, like at the end of the day, all these things are just roles and titles. They're not who right. we really are. Right. They don't really define, they don't really define our success. They you can know? all go away. Yeah. You can reinvent yourself 800 times, but you are the person who's bold enough to try. Right. I I am totally with you on that one. And sometimes people ask me, isn't that fake it till you make it? Uh, When you call yourself like, uh, I don't know, I'm a rock star. And I'm like, no, no, this is you managing your brain. Yeah, this is you working on yourself. Yes. Because if you don't believe it, it is very unlikely that others will believe it for the long term. I mean, we've all we've all met people say oh this was amazing you could do this but if you don't follow up and say yep i'm yep. doing that way if you yep. don't follow up on that that person will not turn into a mentor or a sponsor or 
a client, whatever. Yeah, because uh, that has to be reflected back. I think there's so much language around this. So when I say I'm a badass in the moment I say it, I feel it mm -hmm. like I feel it. I'm at the point in the beginning fake it till you make it maybe a little bit or whatever. Like I didn't necessarily feel it in that moment. I was like being ha ha ha, you know, like I'm a badass, ha ha ha. Now I'm like, I'm a badass. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like um, maybe two seconds later, I don't feel that way. But in that moment, I embrace it and I feel it. And, um, and so it's not, it is that managing of that internal conversation yeah. And, um, and then we have to manage ourselves in our negative conversation too. And, um, this was on a TikTok, and there is a creator named Elise Myers. And she talked about an instance where somebody was horrible to her in a professional setting. And, um, they like handed her a credit card and said, you're going to do this. And she pushed it back and she goes, actually, I do not receive that. And she walked away. She said, wow. now I tell myself mm -hmm. when I have a thought, I say out loud, actually, I do not receive that. Mm -hmm. She said, there's something about the, the yeah. saying it out loud that the brain is like, oh, oh, we don't receive that. Okay. We don't. Okay. All right. What other thoughts do we have? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I think we need to do that more. And it's something that's so simple but it's also so powerful because it's more than an affirmation. Like yeah. we could affirmation ourselves to death, which I think there's power in affirmations. I think that it is a good thing, but we also have to de-affirm things, you know, like Unlearn. or whatever mm -hmm. the word is, like just say no, like yep. no, actually that is fucking bullshit. Knock it yep. off. You know, because we tell ourselves things that are so awful, we would never speak to somebody else that way. Yep, and that's we so are true. Powerful. And so because we are powerful, we can, we are putting our heads down in a meeting, but in our own mind, you know, like we're saying, I don't have room at this table. Mm -hmm. I don't have room at my own table. I made this goddamn table. I yep. made this table. I have the only chair at this table, but I don't, I don't have the worth to sit in this only chair at my own goddamn table. And, oh, it makes yeah. me crazy. It makes me, it makes me angry and it frustrates me and it makes me sad because I see so, so many super talented, gifted women with amazing, I mean, with enough education to, to sustain half a department. Uh, and, and they feel like I'm not ready to do the next step and, uh, or yeah, I'm not, I'm not good enough to, to be in that position and all these things. And it's so, so frustrating because a lot of it, a lot of it is just still social cultural, uh, conditioning. Yeah. Especially this thing with being humble. Yes. That, that gets on my nerves so much, humility. the humble thing, humble yeah. thing. I mean, just uh, yeah, it drives me crazy. Hum uh, humility is, gr is great and fine and everything in certain situations. Like it's like, it's no one really wants to be so, around some arrogant braggadocious asshole. Like that's exactly. good to be humble there. But when you're speaking about your accomplishments and who you are, that's like own it. own it and say like, I'm Raya motherfucking Gonzalez. Like, of course I would do that. Like, 
you know, thank you. That's so true. Like I have worked yeah. really hard to yeah. accomplish that. And I really appreciate you noticing that, you know, like, but we have such a hard time embracing ex the, the receiving of anything, the receiving of help, the receiving right. of compliments, the receiving of anything, because we have to be very independent and we have to do it on our own and we can't, and we have to be humble and we can't possibly, um, you know, achieve these things because, um, because other people say so. And yeah. that's, yeah, that's the whole like premise of the book is fuck other people. What do you say? What do you say is success? Yeah. What, yeah. you know, what does it say in your heart? You know, and how does that change for you and reassess over and over again, because it's going to change, you know, in the moment that you were a, you know, seeking education as a professor, being a professor, I can imagine was success. That was sure. success when, you know, as you moved into your boutique agency, having that have its own global headquarters in the UK and Germany, that's success. And now helping women, I can only imagine, you know, in this very tech centered, very male dominated area, it, like the empowerment that you're able to help them accomplish. I can imagine that that feels like a high, like very successful for you. But like, can you speak to me about that, um, that journey for you? Because again, it's like, it changes as you move through life, you know? Yep. It does. It does. And for me also that that cultural change to go from Germany to to the US and to a place like Seattle. That's also I mean, uh, that again, even coming from a large city in Germany, uh, it's just it's just much more future oriented. Right? right. So there are a couple of things that I feel America as a whole has that Europe doesn't have that that clean slate that clean slate thing. It's something I felt the very first time I moved to the US uh, in the 90s. And then again, America allows you to reinvent yourself. You're, mm -hmm. you're suddenly not what the four generations before you are. Right. So that is something I find, especially with European immigrants to the US, that is something we are all very grateful for because that's usually as privileged as we are being immigrants from Europe and we could go home again, but that's usually what appeals to, to Europeans that shedding, shedding part of the, the culture. Yeah. Reinventing yourself. That's what I feel, especially for women that can be very liberating. I found it very liberating. And uh, I still, I still uh, got stuck when, when I, when I uh, put my two, businesses in one company and then I was like am I calling myself a CEO and of course immediately someone uh, someone from Germany said you oh you're doing that American bullshit now this 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 grand title thing and I'm like yes yes I'm doing that because quite honestly this is what I'm I am an entrepreneur this is my company there's a team of almost 10 people by now of course I'm a CEO yes I don't need to have a brick and mortar building to be a CEO. I don't need a thousand people. There's nothing of that. Right. 
Yeah. And we have to claim it for ourselves. We have to claim it. And it still sometimes feels uncomfortable, but uh, you just go on claiming it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. When you look forward, like if you were to look 15, 20 years forward and then to look backward and say what you accomplished in between now and 20 years from now, what would it feel like to be successful? Like in the later version of yourself, you were, if you were like what you had accomplished felt good as though, as though it was successful, what do you think that would be? So for me nowadays, uh, success has a couple of different components. Um, for me, a very important one is impact. So that would probably be the top metric when we go forward to say, uh, did I have an impact that really, re did I really empower women or on which scale did I, uh, did I do it one-on-one -on -one or did I do it on a larger scale? Either one is fine. Either, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's something I will figure out along the way, but impact is an important one for me personally fun. Yes. I'm an Enneagram seven, so yes. it all has to be always fun and exciting. And that is something that took me super long to own. That that's again, uh, not something that you can, that, that uh, is fostered in the, in my, uh, uh, cult, in the culture I've come from that you make your decisions based on how much fun they are. Right. Um, and I enjoy that privilege that I say, okay, I still have to do things that are not fun, but, uh, or, yeah, but having that as kind of a guideline yeah. impact and fun, and of course values. So I, I think at this point, the success metric of just having my little, my little share in making the society fairer and, and better and more inclusive usually with my focus probably on the on the women's side right uh, that that's that's how i would measure my success now or going forward i love that i love that as you know like what i what i do in my business is very women centric and very women empowering right. and so that's right. definitely something that is core to my desires is making an impact here and in the philippines for women in the philippines right. Um, and then, and here is funny because here is now the US, Canada, UK, Germany, you know, mm -hmm. Netherlands, like, I mean, the things are just like growing and, and um, stretching into this global thing because we are, you know, the world is flat at this point. You know what I mean? Like we're really it is true. To yeah. totally yeah. touch lives wherever we go. And I think that's a fantastic metric of success is how can we bring good into the world, especially for women, especially yeah. for women, just period. Like there's right. no disclaimer or anything after that. Just not, just no, yeah, not for me either, because when people say, well, why are you helping women in particular? I'm like, of course, let, let's say what I teach about the five steps to train confidence. Of course, men can benefit from that too. But quite honestly, straight white guys had, had thousands of years to make this world a good place. And I don't know if they did such a great job. So let's try, let's try to give it a, hand it over to other people. Agreed, uh, agreed, absolutely. That is, for me, it's as simple as that. It's just a feminist decision right now. And it's okay. kind of funny because you know what I wrote my master's thesis on back then when I still thought I would be a literature professor on the matriarchy. Wow, 
I worked on I worked on Troy uh, and the destruction of Troy, basically through the through the Greek patriarchy. Wow, that so that was well, some foreshadowing awesome. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mika, I always end the show with the same question, and I love this question because I get so many answers that are varied. And I did I've done this since uh, the beginning of my podcast, but. What would you say is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? And it could be something that you read or something told to you, something you tell to yourself or a mantra, but just something that really sticks with you and helps you get through whatever and, and encourages you and fires you up. I would really, what's really, really, what really sticks with me and has since I heard it for the first time, that was actually in my coaching training when my when my first coach, when she said, people don't do things to hurt you. They just do what's whatever is best for them in this situation because mm -hmm. they are not even thinking about you. They are thinking about themselves. Right. So I guess that ties in again with, uh, with the book you quoted about, yeah, fuck what others think because they're not thinking about you anyway. Right. They're not. So it's, it's not, it's not mean. Yeah. It's not mean. It's, it's just, uh, they do what works for them. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, I like that one a lot because it's true. And we can get caught in the victim cycle or we can do something yeah. about it, you know? Yeah. Wow. yeah. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, um, we've linked all of Mika's contact information in the show notes. I encourage you to reach out to her, especially if you are a woman in a male-dominated industry. Get some coaching. Coaching is awesome. It helps you just lift you up and just empower you to be the best version of who you are. So um, please reach out to Mika. Thank you, Mika, for being a guest on our show. Um, for those who haven't heard the news, you'll hear it incessantly, but the uh, pre-sale of my book goes live on the 31st. Please buy a book. Um, please share um, information about it. This book is important. It is going to touch lives and help people take ownership of their own unconventional success and um, feel enough. And that's the most important thing. So um, we thank you for joining us. and catch you on the flip-flop. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Successful as Fuck, the podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I'm just going to say I had a lot of fun doing this episode, and I hope you had a lot of fun listening. We always have a good time on this podcast because we get to tell the stories of real people just like you. I'm going to encourage you, please join our pre-launch community. It's amazing. We get to see all the behind the scenes of what's going on with the book that's due out September 22. And that is also called Successful as Fuck. Shocker! If you join the community, you're going to get the behind the scenes. You're going to get the chance to get prizes. I love to give those out. So don't miss out, guys. The link will be in the show notes. And we hope that you'll come back next time for the next episode of Successful as Fuck, the podcast.